Suncast is brought to you by SunGrow, providing clean power for all. Suncast is also brought to you by Trina Solar. And we're live once again, and this is our final session at the Podcast Lounge. Thank you so much for those who joined us today. I'm joined here with my favorite Hawaiian neighbors, solarcoaster.com. We got Jason Verkart. Pleasure. Glad to be back. Joshua Porter. Aloha. There you go. And not a podcaster, but a voice nonetheless in our industry, Mr. John Weaver from PV Magazine USA. How you doing, Nico? It's great to be here. Nice room. I like it. Thank you. It looks a lot better than yesterday. Yeah, yeah. All the plastic's off. There's a lot of people around. This is kind of exciting. It's now coming we get together. To talk. It's coming together. We got the fishbowl. We just had Abby and Julia in here. We had a lot of good conversations in here, which is why I was here all day, but you guys were out on the show floor. So as, oh, yeah, yeah. as we alluded to yesterday, today we're going to break down our take on the show from a hardware and PV perspective. Tomorrow will be storage, and the next day will be wrap-up of the show. If you missed the pre-show, which came out this morning, it was our roundup of yesterday, kind of getting ready for everything. Check it out on the Suncast channel. You can find that in Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, anywhere that you get your podcast. You look for Suncast, and you'll see the circle on a blue background. We today are going to go over our impressions of the show. First impressions, you guys, Solar Coaster, have walked the floor. I know that John Weaver has crawled every aisle and, uh, and even brought back photos to prove it. We won't be able to show the photos, unfortunately, on the audio version. But this is our chance to take stock of what we see. There's 700 exhibitors. Salt Lake City is as popular as any other uh, SPI I've ever been to. Josh, why don't we start with you? You look like you are ready for beer pong. <laughs> I am ready for beer pong. We got that out with the Lumen booth directly after this. I mean, uh, solar pong. I just, that was a yeah. Freudian slip. <laughs> yeah. Solar pong was great, by the way. I had a fun time playing in, in at least two separate places. Yeah, no, amazing show today and certainly a, a lot of great energy. And uh, yeah, Salt Lake is just as much a buzz as anywhere else that this show has been held at. And of course, Jay and I spent a lot of time exploring uh, solar plus storage. That's really where we focus our energy. You got a whole bunch of uh, booked interviews. Today, we're to talk about uh, hardware, and that kind of incorporates or encapsulates PV. Uh, we did have a conversation with Q-Cells, and I thought that was kind of interesting what they had on offer. They were, of course, offering a storage product. So we started talking about that, moved quick, directly over uh, with one of their engineers out of Leipzig, I think, in Germany. And they had a really interesting approach to this particular panel. The way they went about creating gains in efficiencies and, and higher wattages, they had a, a, a series of uh, steps, right? So uh, this was a half-cut cell, okay? So you have those cells cut in half, and that gave them about a 3% bump, they said. They also, instead of using the paste, uh, the silver paste for the connections, they used a smart wire, right? Mm. That gave them a 3% bump. Now, this was also a bifacial. But unlike most bifacials, it wasn't transparent. It had a white back sheet. That's kind of a, like a, almost like a misnomer, right? You look at that and you go, a bifacial is going to be transparent glass by definition. But no, on the other side of this, you saw those half-cut cells. And what they said, which I thought was really interesting, now this is a commercial panel, but they said that this is particularly useful because that front side of the bifacial is where you get the most energy. How do we optimize that as a priority? Well, apparently the reflection from that white back sheet is what allows that front side to really bump, right? 
That was exciting to see that. And then on the backside, they were able to catch some, uh, some bifaciality there, but it's not necessarily going to be coming in through the little sections between the cells, but rather the, you know, directed for under the panels. So I thought in terms of PV, that was one of the more interesting things we saw. Um, of course, got boatloads to talk about with storage, but that was the first time I had seen anything like that in a bifacial panel. Yeah, absolutely. And I agree 100%. It was so odd to see a back sheet that would literally had holes cut in it. I mean, that's, that's what they were doing. They were cutting holes in the back sheet to fit the half-cut wow. cells. And it's just really interesting. The other thing they did with that panel, though, and you didn't talk about it at all, is how they laid out the strings internally. They actually have six strings, um, three, di three protection diodes, so it's actually um, two in series and then three in, or no, it's two in, two in parallel and then three in series to get the, to get the regular standard voltage out of the panel. Um, but they have six separate sections at the end of the day that are all wired separately. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but that's a technology that's being used, the three bypass diodes in, in current systems, right? So you right. get one third. When you get like a leaf or something on that one section, it'll knock out one third. But it doesn't shut down the entire panel, right? right. Yeah. Doing bifacial solar panels has really been around for at least 10, 15 years. And it could be even further back than that. Uh, Sanyo was really the person who I think started it in Japan. And now we're starting to see it everywhere. Every panel takes advantage of these little nuances like using half-cut cells, using the cello wire system in the LG modules. Every single module has innovation in it. There's no more plain Jane simple module. You just can't. You have to have something hardcore that's pushing your product. It's like buying a race car these it's, days. It's Every a wattage game. Is it really is. Yeah, <laughs> it's really cool to watch. And, and everybody has a little bit more wattage. Every single time you see their product, five more watts, 10 more watts, 15 more watts, Every single booth had something that was almost 400 watts. It's like everybody mm -hmm. has a 400 watt solar panel. This is almost passe, a 400 watt panel. When yeah. I started, 250 was awesome. Now it's, it's almost double that. We're going to have 500 watt panels I, soon. I have, I have an early NEM system on my house and it's 180s. Hey, there, so there. There we go. <laughs> the, first, the first I install were Mitsubishi 180s. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what it is. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the, this, this, this wattage game is going to be, I don't think that's ever going to stop. I mean, we're, we're, we're pushing the envelope for what is truly possible with the actual solar energy that these panels are intercepting. I mean, you're going to reach that theoretical limit of what it was at 30. 20, well, well, technically 20, it's 33%, yeah, but 33 reality is going to be 27 to 29%. Yeah. But that's so, falling, actually. So I, I stopped by the, the Department of Energy uh, solar contest. And at this table... Uh, the solar prize. The yeah. solar prize. American yes. And one of the people I visited was Team Tandem. And Team Tandem, at the table, and you can touch it in the real life. You can actually see a perovskite solar oh, no cell in wow. the real world. And it's like, ooh, ah, and I, I got to handle them. And, and you got to see how they uh, put it on top of a Solaria solar cell. Wow. And so you can see that this perovskite, the goal is to add another 10-ish points of efficiency above our 20% max. So, yes. Technically, a single layer of silicon solar cells is probably going to max out around 27, 25%, but we're not going to stop at single layers. I mean, and it's going to come to mm. your and my world. Uh, when I spoke with the, this gentleman, what he told me is that he expects to make one of these panels within two years. So it's 19 now, 2021. You know, write this down. We're going to be selling you. We're going to be, gonna be talking Rothstein about it. We're going to be, it's gonna be a booth here. We're going to be talking about it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there's a, I mean, we'll, we have a show coming up in um, three weeks with Dave Buemi all about perovskite. 
And uh, you're, you're right. You're spot on. And the amazing thing is how easily adaptable it is back to like the way that it was foreshadowed that thin film uh, would be able to do roll to roll and they'd be able to take over existing manufacturing facilities, et cetera. Right. These guys are taking over an old Kodak facility mm. and laying on perovskite. It's amazing. That's exciting technology. I didn't, think, I didn't expect Perovskite to make it into the show today. It's, it's on the floor. Me neither. Now, are they doing it. multiple layers where you're actually doing, where you're actually catching red shift light versus blue shift light and that type of thing? Because that's, that's, that's the next level, in my opinion, where, where, where they can really do that. And that's specifically what this is. That the, is the, what he's the doing. Perovskite right. is tuned to a certain light wavelength that is uh, not opposite. It's complementary to the standard mm-hmm. silicon wavelengths. And... And, you know, there's a lot more light there than we're actually grabbing, and it's happening now. And, and it's not just him. You know, there's, there's other groups, Oxford PV. They're not here, but, you know, they're doing the same thing. So it's, this is coming, and we're going we're gonna to have – there's always going to be new tech. The fight isn't stopping. We're still going. That's, that's always good to see. You think you've seen PV because it's been around for so long, but really <laughs> we're just at, the, just at the, the infancy. So we talked about Q-cells. Are there any other big announcements by, by module manufacturers today? Did anything come out? It seems like this is a good time for people to tell us what they're doing, right? Yeah, I mean, there's a handful of guys out there doing new stuff. We didn't see all of them, frankly. Our, our module day is probably going to be Thursday, but we did stop by the SunPower booth. So this is a, you know, the granddad of the solar industry, <laughs> and they've got a 66-cell module nowadays. Wow. And of course, they have that backside contact technology. Uh, and those cells now are larger, physically larger than the old SunPower X series, right? What size? So, like six, um, six and a half, seven inches? I'm not sure actually the, the, the sizes. We have a, 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 an interview scheduled with our person tomorrow, but it's notably larger. And, uh, and then, of course, they're not doing a 60 cell or a 72 cell, but they're doing a 66 cell. And I looked at it and I talked to him. I was like, hmm, it just sounds like you want to be a little different. <laughs> you yeah. know, but 66 cell and a larger actual cell there and then 430 watts uh, of, of actual uh, of, of, of power. Yeah. That, that translates into a, a differently sized module, though. It's not standard frame. Well, we're seeing a lot of that, though. A lot yeah. of shifts in the actual size of the module. So you're no longer able to say, oh, that's a 60 and that's 72. And then where do you fit in that box? There's a variety of them. Yeah, but I, I, my point is, it's, I guess it's a little bit of a misnomer where you have a 400 plus watt panel, but it's not actually a standard size panel. They just made yeah. the panel bigger. So you are intercepting more energy. For sure. For sure. Yeah. Well, that's the only thing I, I, wanted, I noticed out there was the, um, the new LG, the electronics, the, the, a, the AC module. Mm. Um, this is interesting to me because we're now starting it's to see... It's just a straight AC module. It's, it, it's an LG electronics manufactured microinverter. What are the brains? Oh, but it's a it's, microinverter. It's, it's a microinverter manufactured by LG Electronics. There was actually a bit of a conversation out there. Is it an Enphase module? LG has pan- mm. partnered with Enphase in the past to make AC modules, but and LG is making their own. And it really seems like it's, it's kind of the second coming of the microinverter. I'm starting to see a lot of action where micros are coming back into fashion. It, we went through this phase where micros took over because it just made it so easy to go up and, and do all the wiring and lay out panels. And then they went away because you need the central inversion to integrate yeah. with other things and storage and everything else. And now they're coming back. And I think we're, next year we're going to see a whole lot more microinverters from a number of different manufacturers. I think a lot of these microinverters are also going to end up in the commercial space. Uh, historically, over the last three, four, five years, most of the microinverters have been in residential because of the requirements of the NEC code. Now that NEC code as of 2019 is dictated for all CNI commercial and industrial rooftops. And right now we only have Tigo, we only have Solar Edge. 
And so far, Enphase really hasn't broken in because their cost is a little bit stronger than these products. And the CNI space is really tight uh, margin-wise. But, you know, the LG product is beautiful. And I saw the same panel. I asked them the exact same question you did. And they said they're making it in South Korea. And, you know, there's going to be a point where a microinverter is going to make sense on a commercial rooftop number-wise. And, you know, we have to do it. So that means there's going to be experiments. There's going to be volume. And we're going to start seeing it more. And I don't know if it's going to be optimizers. You know, an optimizer plus an inverter sounds scary because it's an extra piece of hardware. But you're putting an inverter on the roof anyway. So how's this dance going to work? I don't know exactly. But I agree with you that we're going to see a resurgence, especially with the, the requirements of all rooftop systems having module level shutdown. This is just, yep. this is just it. This is the game now. And now the game is going to keep evolving. Yeah, it's exactly the way it's going to be. You know, I saw a couple, of, uh, a couple of interesting things. First off, Hanwha, they also had their new gapless module out, which is this half-cut module. And, you know, normally you see that white space between every cell or you see a black space. They're just cutting the cells a little bit tighter and squeezing it. It's yeah. a borderline uh, shingle solar cell, as if we see from a group like Solaria. And it's just, I mean, it's, it's such a simple idea. Get rid of the white space. Put more silicon on the module. And you go from having a 60-cell solar module to the equivalent of a 68-cell solar module simply because you fill out the white space. It's a simple idea, but it works. And you get 8 10% more electricity just by being more efficient. And these little tiny nuances we're seeing left and right, this, this is really driving so much of us. It's kind of interesting to see. I'm wondering what the next cool little nuance that comes well, I think, out. I think they're going to surprise us, whatever it is. But I did see that same module. I was looking at it. They are so tight. I'm, I'm almost concerned about shorts between the cells. <laughs> Speaking of cool, let's take a moment to take a cool, refreshing sip from our <laughs> pseudo sponsor, Maui Brewing Company. Thanks, Solar Coaster, for bringing Thanks, these Russell. refreshments Thanks, all, the way, all the way from Hawaii. Very much appreciated. Thanks, Thanks Maui, for, uh, for cooling this, us this off This is renewable here. beer, people. And <laughs> they all do right. a good job. So, Sorry, Nico. Yeah, this no, is something really important. Right. Interrupting you for this particular item is big. Is this a PSA? REC. Ooh. Yep. REC's heterojunction alpha module is on the floor. You can go see it. It is a true heterojunction module. Uh, amorphous silicon on the top, standard silicon on the bottom. The manufacturing is done by Meyer Brig. Um, it's, it's the next... Thing that's coming and it represents so hang on I just want to make yeah. sure I'm understanding heterojunction as in Sanyo hit this is uh, this is the, the the now no longer under patent protection evolution of module manufacturers adapting the Sanyo hit technology yes uh, fundamentally it is theirs but their technology is 20 plus years old of course and it's beautiful tech no, I would expect that it, this is an evolution I just want to make sure I'm understanding the right technology I, I can't tell you specifically whether okay. this is a patent pending thing but I do know this is two layers yeah. of product yeah. touching each other yep. just like the perovskite and silicon it, yeah. it's, it's two things and it's, it's a new whole new way of making modules and they literally have two separate manufacturing lines for two different cells no and then way. it comes to one and you then have a single cool. they have module. a video of that uh, no, I no had a great yes, interview and I questions. got to talk to him. That module is coming out and that's a, up to a 380 watt module, which I believe is 21.7% efficiency. Golly. 21.7% blows everyone else out of the water that's except for SunPower's amazing IBC product. And it's going to be a better price than that SunPower product. And it's going to be all black 
and it's going to be beautiful. And so you know, I, I'm, not, I'm not surprised that you mentioned REC. You know, they're a, a Scandinavian company, I think. They manufacture out of Singapore, right? Yep. yep. And um, they've got real control of their lines, right from the ingot all the way down to the module level, from what I understand. So they've got that capability in-house, in the factory, to be able to make those kinds of innovations and, you know, and, and, and do these really relevant things uh, as, the, as the market progresses. Yeah, it's been, it's been really impressive to watch the, the, the fall and rise of REC. Right, a lot of naysayers when uh, when the hemlocks of the world uh, fell away from being pro- strong providers and silicon and polysilicon and uh, that that market just hemorrhaged cash. REC similarly, which was heavily invested in the in the polysilicon side of the business, hemorrhaged cash, moved all their operations to Malaysia and rebooted and have become yet again one of the strongest brands and one of the well, most well known and established players in our business. And they're well positioned for the evolution where we have a shakeout of the industry. So we got bifacial panels out there. Of course, everybody's got a bifacial panel. Now, yes. <laughs> Most of the bifacial panels are glass on glass. But I saw at least two panels that had the DuPont back sheet oh that was clear. The sales pitch is that you get a standard solar module. You can install it just like any other panel. You don't have to worry about the special clamps for a bifacial. Less weight. And you got a DuPont back sheet. Mm. And everybody trusts DuPont because they've been doing it yep. as long as everybody. And that's really interesting because if it becomes that a bifacial panel costs the exact same amount as a regular panel, there you go. you're going to need to argue with me and tell me a real good reason why I'm not going to install a bifacial panel. Because if I can get a tenth of a percent boost, I'm doing it. So you're going to have to work be real hard. more than that. Yeah. Well, look, it's funny. I mean, people talk about the day that bifacial is the same price. Look, it already is. We just mentioned REC. REC for the last year has been selling certain wattage bins of their bifacial module at the same price as their monofacial module. Like that day is here, my friend, and the bifacial modules are here to stay. There's a reason why every testing center from RETC to PVEL are deep, like neck deep in testing bifacial and every meteorological company is doing data testing for eight minute energy. I concur. I mean, I don't think we will see a single project installed, especially at the utility scale with trackers in the U.S. in three years. I don't think there'll be a single project that doesn't have bifacial on it. Speaking of which, we haven't talked about racking at all. Is racking as boring as ever? Or are we seeing some innovation <laughs> this year? So, so I saw something neat that really kind of, it made me stop and talk with the guy for like 10 minutes. And it was a guy who just had a drill. And the reason I was impressed is that what this, and it's much more than a drill. I'm just saying it to simplify it, <laughs> to humor you all. The gentleman worked with Next Tracker, who, of course, we, we wrote a great article on their new Gemini racking system. So you should check that out on PV Magazine USA. Uh, but Next Tracker needs to install their hardware and they need some custom equipment to do it. And so they reached out to this company and they said, How are we going to do the attachment? So SFS Solar. They built a custom drill system that only works with Next Tracker. Sounds expensive. About $17,500 for the system. Sits on the back of a truck, comes in a big box, really heavy. It uses oils. It can, it can drill four racks at the same time with long wires. And so that's really neat. The company has their own drill system. But the, the most important thing about that is that we're big enough that not only do we have a company making a custom drill, but it's a custom drill for just one, one company. other manufacturer. Next yeah. grid or next tracker is so big that they have people making custom hardware just for them. I mean, this is a company that's deployed 22 gigawatts of trackers in their horizon system. So, you know, when you make 22 gigs, you can make some rules. But 
There's more than just them. You know, this is the one that I saw particularly. Again, we have learning curves upon learning curves. We, we're no longer just building cool modules. We're building cool hardware that moves the modules and then cool hardware that assembles the cool hardware that moves the modules. <laughs> and then cool, mo- cool hardware that cleans the modules after the fact. <laughs> uh, speaking of which, Raviant. They have a two-robot system. And one robot drives on the ground next to your racks, and the second robot connects with that thing and just slowly, automatically cleans your panels ah, and just kind of so goes a, back and forth. I even took a video of it's it. It's a car-mounted robot system. Like basically, it's a it's, it's an automated. automated. It's an yeah. autonomous vehicle. Wow. So, well, I mean, addressing the problem many have raised, not the, not the least of which the manufacturers of rolling a vehicle on top of the modules and the implicit uh, damage or, or liability And this little robot, it's you know two feet by three feet at most, probably weighs 20, maybe 30, 40 pounds, but you look at it and it's just kind of cruising. It gets to the edge. It, it looks wet, like a Roomba. Is it wet cleaning or dry cleaning? This one was wet cleaning. Yep. Well, I just got an autonomous vehicle. Like, there's a place to haul water, right? You know, you get an autonomous water truck, autonomous robot, and, and yep. suddenly O&M just got a lot cheaper. So... Begs the question, when does uh, Nissan get into the autonomous vehicle cleaning business? What else is cool on the show floor today, guys? Any well, other right hardware? across over here, you got this uh, aut- autonomous robot. I'm not going to do your tracker. I swear. <laughs> I'm not going to do your tracker. You looked at we're me giving like, some oh, love. We're giving ser- some love to the startup alley folks over here. We're seeing yeah. some really cool innovation. Yeah. So, I mean, if you're looking at you know, the O&M and the, the vegetation control costs of large uh, solar farms, significant, right? Especially out in Hawaii where we have cane grass. Right, sheep is, is, a, is a technology. We don't see any sheep providers out here today. But that being said, they do have some autonomous robots uh, that, that, are, that are able to go out and, and cut down grass. It's something along the lines of 100 acres a month. So five acres or wow. four acres, three acres a, a, a day. A nocturnal is apparently the way they recommend doing it. I had a chance to chat with them a little bit. That falls right alongside of the conversation of the cleaning, right? So that guy right there, that one right behind that us? That one right behind yeah. us. Wow. Right there. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, I mean, it, it basically looks like a, a chopped down tractor. 26 yeah. kilowatt hours of lithium uh, cobalt. It looks like a chopped down tractor with a bush hog on the back. Yeah. Five-year warranty. So energy uh, storage integrated. There you, there you go. go. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. So you can charge it with your uh, your solar farm and then... Send them on out there in the middle of the night and hope it doesn't run over anything alive, I guess. But <laughs> I don't think it moves quite that fast, although well, it's moving it's it doesn't have a bunch of amazing technology to kind of like, you know, protect. But it, I mean, that, that notion, they have a couple active right now. They have some videos over there showing it actually operating. So there you go. I mean, you have these, you can now deploy systems, keep them clean and keep the vegetation down so they operate, uh, you know, correctly. Well, Pretty I thought nice. you were going to steal my thunder here. No way, I sat, in this, I sat in the captain chair here at the podcast lounge all day looking at One Direction and One Direction only, Renew Robotics and the guys right beside them, which is Scarlet. And I'll tell you the website, scarlet.red, because you're not going to believe this. I almost didn't. I thought I was looking at a solar tracker, and in fact, I am looking at a solar tracker, but this sucker is elevated what must be three, four meters off the ground. This is a tracking carport. Wow. If you haven't seen this, I really (laughs) strongly encourage you to come over right beside the podcast lounge, 7005 in the hydrogen and fuel cell ballroom, right by Startup Alley, right beside Renewed Robotics, which you just highlighted, Josh, is a tracking carport, as if carports aren't difficult enough. (laughs) I don't know the engineering behind this thing, but I am ri- I've been riveted to this video all day, and uh, I, th- I think that this is, just one of, this is one of the things that if it really works, this is going to be another game changer for carports, right? But like carports need to be more expensive. Well, I mean, the more electricity you make out of anything, the better it's going to work. And you're right. If it's more expensive, that's going to be a challenge. But 
who cares? If we can make some more electricity out of it, we'll figure it out. I mean, that's a, but that's a great application for bifacial modules, right? This thing is like three meters off the ground. Now, you're preaching to the choir here. I mean, bifacials, we, we go constantly on and on about how we, all the card ports that we see going up across the Hawaiian island chain should be bifacial, and the majority of them aren't. It's really, yeah. really frustrating because they would be getting so much more power for the, the space that they're taking up. So I got uh, a cool one to jump in go if we're it. going to talk some O&M real fast. Yes. So Buffalo Turbine. They have a turbine that you can pull behind your tractor and snow removal with straight air. And it, it's really uh, just a yeah. giant fan. With air? Yes. No, <laughs> no That's fantastic. touch snow removal. And, you know, we don't want to... Everybody's always scared about cleaning your panels because if you clean them with a piece of hardware to scrape some ice... You might scratch your panel. You might cause some damage. Is it hot air? Uh, I don't, you know what? I didn't even ask that question. I just saw a whole bunch of air blowing. Could, and could I have saw been borderline offensive if you asked them if they're blowing hot air. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Nico. No, we, we do that in here. <laughs> yes. And, uh, and it's just, it was neat. So their logic is if we can get 50 to 75% of snow off the modules, They'll start to produce, they'll start of to course. heat up, and they'll get yep. rid of the rest yeah. of the snow. And they'll, yeah, they'll take care of the ice cap as well. And so maybe we should, maybe we should uh, connect them with the uh, Renew Robotics guys so there you can go. get rid of the tractor and just you know, have something running along. <laughs> Fantastic. I love it. Guys, what's on, your, what's on the docket for tomorrow? What are you excited about Ooh. tomorrow? So I got two things. Wait, I hold got, your two things. I want uh, these guys to go. I know you got a promotion. <laughs> we got a handful of... Uh, interviews, Jay. You got our schedule up right signif- now? I a significant amount of interviews. Um, right away, we got... Talked with um, LG and Panasonic, uh, Generac. We're going to be talking to all these guys. But the coolest thing is we are going on the EV ride and drive. Yeah, that's EV ride and drive. EV ride and drive. That's Sweet. what that's what we're going to do. What cars do. are they driving? I don't even know yet. <laughs> They're supposed super to have fan. more than uh, more than ever before because of their new partnership. And uh, so yeah, it'd be really exciting. We should have uh, the production team from uh, Sets out there with us to take some video. And uh, yeah, we'll let you know how it goes. But I'm excited about that for sure. Right along with the production team. All right, tell us what's happening at the PV Roundtable. There's two PV Roundtables. There's the future PV Roundtable at 10 a.m. hosted by Christian. And Christian Roseland, the executive editor of uh, PV Magazine USA. And he's going to be talking about future tech. Uh, Last year, we talked about a lot of bifacial panels, of course. Now bifacial's here. So if you go there this year, you're going to hear about what we're going to be talking about next year. And then at 2 p.m., we're going to have a quality roundtable. And the quality round is it table. going to be a very good round table or is it on the topic of quality? Well, it's going to be a quality, quality round table. It's, that's meta. It's, uh, yeah, absolutely. Well done. But we're going to talk about scary things like fire. Yeah. And we're going to have a lot of great personalities on the stand. And, and so that's for me, I'm going to have some meetings, but then we got to focus on educating people. And those are going to be PV magazines, really hardcore education. We're going to have high quality people on the stage, professionals who know their stuff. Mm. And, uh, and you should come and learn because I'm going to be pushing them to make sure they teach you well. That's their job. Well, I had a fun day here at the Podcast Lounge. It was full. Tomorrow it's going to be full as well. Back to back. Just about every 30 minutes, we've got new things happening. Uh, we had a session just now with Julia Hamm and Abby Hopper, which we're going to publish tomorrow morning. I thought I wasn't originally going to do that, but it was just fantastic. And one of the things that I wanted to highlight that Abby said, I was asking about the messaging and she said, Three things that I thought were really interesting, solar is. And from a messaging perspective, as an industry, we could all do a better job, and especially as media, of helping people get on message. Our job is to educate and move the needle. And she said, solar is taking fossil fuels market share, okay? This is a core piece of what we've got to be putting out in the world. Fossil fuels 
are literally going the way of the dinosaur, thankfully, again. And we are taking their market share. Number two, solar is collaborating with others. Whereas previous energy hegemony was very, uh, very siloed, right? Uh, one thing that might, might, might surprise you, Solar Power International is the largest energy show in North America at all. It's the largest, period. Largest energy show. And uh, another tidbit, which was really interesting, blew all their numbers out of the water for Salt Lake City. For all you naysayers who didn't think Salt Lake was going to be as good as all the other places in Vegas, et cetera, bah humbug. This place is crushing records for SPI. And it's an indication for me of how fast this industry is growing. And as, a, as, a, as media players, the fact that our, our job is ever more important, right? It feels as packed and energetic here today as it ever has in Vegas or Anaheim. I'm encouraged by that. And the number of people I know who veterans chose not to come this year, you can't tell at all that there's any diminishing of, of folks that decided not to come by the buzz and hum on the floor. I don't know if you guys felt that. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, tomorrow we're going to be back here in the podcast lounge at 4.30 doing the roundup again. If you want to join us as some of our colleagues have done today, please do so right before the tweet up, which is also going to be just next door at the Vivint Solar booth tomorrow. The SPI tweet up is always a fun thing. I'm going to be interviewing Adam Browning. If you've ever wanted to hear the story of Vote Solar, front to back, Adam's going to be here to tell us about his 17-year journey and what's to come with solar advocacy here in the United States and we've got a lot of other fun uh, activities here. If you go to podcastlounge.live, you will see our program. The Solar Coaster guys are going to be tweeting and Instagramming. And John Weaver is going to be writing. There's something coming out at 10 a.m. tomorrow, whether you like it or not, buddy. Every day. Every day. And every day we're going to be here bringing you what's new and what's happening at the Solar Power International 2019 show. Joshua Porter, Jason Verkart, John Weaver. Last thoughts? Good show. You should be here. If you're not here, yeah, you really should be here. If you are here, stay here. <laughs> if you're not here, uh, check out our uh, social sites and there you we'll go. show you. Absolutely. Solar-coaster.com for all your socials. Mine is at Nico Mayo on Twitter and I think at my Suncast on both Instagram and Twitter. Commercialsolarguide.com or Solar and Mass on Twitter. I love it. I love it. Well, thank you once again for joining us at the Podcast Lounge here, hosted by Suncast Media and Radiant Reet. You're probably hearing this over the Suncast podcast channel. We might push it out over Solar Coaster. We'll see. But thank you very much and join us again for another live edition tomorrow.